Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 32. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today you're going to listen to an amazing interview with Pedro Valente. Pedro, along with his brothers Guy and Joaquin, run the Valente Brothers Academy in Miami. He talked about the importance of mentorship, jiu-jitsu philosophy, and the Valente Brothers 753 Code's connection with the way of the warrior. Stay tuned right after this live jiu-jitsu message. Oh, the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coaches donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Pedro Valenti. Pedro is the co-founder of the Valenti Brothers Jiu-Jitsu Association. Pedro's father, Pedro Valenti Sr. received his red belt directly from Helio Gracie and introduced his sons to jiu-jitsu. By the age of two, Pedro, along with his brothers, had begun taking private classes with Grandmaster Helio Gracie. Until he turned 18, Pedro was training daily under Helio at the original Gracie Academy in Rio. At 18, Pedro moved to Miami, Florida to attend the University of Miami, where he eventually received his master's degree in business administration. It was at the University of Miami Pedro first began teaching and eventually spread teaching across the state of Florida. The Valenti brothers have taught jiu-jitsu to several law enforcement officers from agencies such as the FBI, U.S. Customs, and also the U.S. Secret Service. Currently, Pedro, along with his brothers Guy and Joaquin, operates the Valenti Brothers Academy in North Miami Beach. Pedro, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. We have a friend in common that has been training with you. He was the guest here, episode 17, three-time world champion, Victor Shaolin, that has an academy in New York and goes there to train with you. How's his training going? He's amazing. It's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to have such an accomplished jiu-jitsu competitor uh, like Victor Shaolin here in our school, not just for his amazing technique, but also the the kind of human being that he is, we are very good friends. And as I said, it's a, it's a pleasure to have him in our school when yeah. he comes visit Miami. Yeah, he is a very consistent guy. Matter of fact, the title of his podcast is Consistency is the Key to Success. For people who might be maybe listening for the first time, don't know much. I mentioned that Shaolin, even though I'm a little bit older than him, has been my inspiration for a long time as far as sport jujitsu goes. And he always just impressed me 
with the consistency and the discipline that everything he does, not just in jujitsu and life, personal. So amazing yes. dude. If you guys have a chance to check it out, episode 17. So I mentioned in the intro that you started very, very, very young too. So I'm yes. not going to ask how jujitsu show up in your life, but what was your earliest memories learning jujitsu? Yeah, it's, it's hard to remember the beginning. I don't remember because my earliest memories in life already include jujitsu. I like to say that I'm 43 years old right now. Mm -hmm. I've been training jujitsu for 44 years. <laughs> I was in my mother's womb, she was already in tune with the philosophy of jujitsu through my father. And that was already part of um, their lifestyle. And that had an impact on me even before I was born, as soon as I was born, just like I do with my son now, who's two years old, and I've been doing since he was born, you already start moving the legs, little movements, balance, you put them on top of you, and, and that starts right from the beginning, and my father was doing that with me. When I was two years old, I started, that's when I put my kimono on for the first time. I actually don't remember that, but there are pictures, and I was, on, I was in Grandmaster Elio's ranch in the Taipava, in, in Rio, in the mountains of Rio. And I was on top of the horse with my father. Grandmaster Edo had horses. And I was already training. And then soon after that, I started taking privates under Grandmaster Edo. And what I remember from those times is the elevator because the school was in the 18th floor of a commercial building in, the, in downtown Rio. And I remember that I couldn't reach the 18th floor. So and I didn't want the, 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 anyone to press it for me. I wanted to be lifted and I wanted to press it myself. So I have the memories of pressing that button and arriving in the school and always loving my classes because Grandmaster Elio Gracie was not only a grandmaster in the art of jiu-jitsu, but he was a grandmaster psychologist without ever having studied psychologist, psychology. He was somebody that knew how to make everyone around him feel good about themselves we felt good about ourselves when we were around him and that's why we love this classes so much and in the beginning it was more about games i remember playing soccer with him on the mat and i remember just running around and having a great time and watching my father's classes and as i grew older it little by little started to become more serious serious and i'm extremely grateful for his guidance and for the wonderful relationship that he had not only with myself but with my two brothers as well who we each one of us had a unique relationship with him which help had, still helps us so much in everything we do in life not just on the mat but off the mat as well nice and this is a big question but how do you feel jiu-jitsu relates to life in every possible way so in order to understand jiu-jitsu, what I usually tell my students when they first walk through the door is that they should understand what, what jiu-jitsu means, the etymology of the word. I remember when I was in school and I, would, I was about to start taking trigonometry and my father would always tell me, before you go in, Pick up the dictionary and look up the word trigonometry. See what it means. Then get the encyclopedia. At the time, there was no Google. <laughs> get the encyclopedia and look up the word trigonometry and read. 
And then when you get to the class, you already have, you're going to have an advantage because you already know what it means and you're going to be much more ready to learn the information that the teacher is going to transmit to you. So I want my students to understand the word. And jujitsu is made of two Chinese characters, kanji characters. The first one is ju, and the second one is jitsu. The first one is also present in judo, judo, jujitsu. And it means yielding flexibility. That's the, my favorite way to translate that character. Some people also use the, the, the word soft. Others use the word gentle. If you, because these, these kanji characters, they're very, very profound and complex. It's usually difficult to use only one word from our vocabulary to be able to, to, be able to, to explain these characters. But if you, if you combine softness with gentleness, with yielding, with flexibility, then you start understanding what it means. It means that you don't resist. It's the opposite of resistance. You take your opponent's energy and you use it to your advantage with maximum efficiency, with minimum effort to be able to achieve the best result. And jitsu means skill or art or technique. So it's the art of yielding flexibility. And so you asked me about life. This is one of the most important mental lessons that I learned in my life, which is to learn to accept things as they are, the facts as they are in the present moment and not resisting things that already happened. This is jujitsu. Because when somebody pushes you and you try to resist with strength, you're not doing jujitsu. It's when you take that person's push and you direct that person's energy to throw them or to apply an arm lock, then you're doing jujitsu. So in life, it's the same exact thing. When you learn to accept reality as it is and not to resist it by being negative, then in my opinion, you are using jujitsu in life and that's extremely important. I love it. Now, when did you have the spark to pursue the vision of being a, an entrepreneur or make a living with jujitsu? That's a very interesting story. So when I decided to move to the United States, encouraged by my father who wanted me to, to get an education in an American university. So I studied in Brazil, in Rio, at the American school in Rio. And then I applied to several universities in the United States and I ended up choosing the University of Miami. And that's why I came to Miami. And in preparing myself to move, I was 18 years old, to move to a different country by myself, um, I stayed one month living with Grandmaster Elio in his ranch in Itaipa. This is 1993. And during that month, I had already been training Jiu-Jitsu my whole life, but he prepared me not only to live abroad by myself, psychologically, and practically, teaching me things like how to sew, how to fix a car, <laughs> a lot of things about life and things that he felt were important for somebody who's going to go live alone. How to change a flat tire, how to fix things, how to build things. And, but part of the training was a Jiu-Jitsu instructor's course. 
teaching me how to teach. So he had his private students who would come and I would assist them as I had been doing before. But he was focused on teaching me how to teach because he told me, if you can't find a school in Miami, how are you going to continue to progress? That's the question that I asked him. And he said, you can get some friends from, your, from the university and you can teach them jujitsu. And I'm going to prepare you to teach. And so for one month, he prepared me to become a jujitsu instructor. And I left with a curriculum. Both myself and him. In hand, I still have it. In handwriting, we wrote the techniques, the lessons, lesson one, lesson two, lesson three. And when I came to Miami, I brought that curriculum with me. And I started teaching my roommate, Jimmy, James Robertson. Today, he has a Valente Brothers affiliate in Coral Gables, mm -hmm. about 25 minutes from here. Later, 10 years later, exactly, he became my first black belt. Incredible. But he was my first student at the University of Miami. We also had a roommate who was a very strong football player. And I used to train Jimmy to be able to wrestle him. He had some wrestling experience. His name was Marvin Drayton. And the three of us, we would go to the University of Miami gym. We would lay mats on the floor and we would train and I would teach both of them. And Marvin was so strong that he also became a good sparring partner for me, especially without the kimono. It was not easy. And so afterwards, I started training with the football players. And in 1994, Horion and Royce Gracie came to Miami and taught a seminar, and I went to help them, to be there, to take the seminar and to help them. And they recommended me to the participants of the seminar as an instructor. And so that I got more students from that, and, and slowly I was a student at the University of Miami, but part-time I was also teaching jiu-jitsu. And that was my passion. And by the time I graduated, I already had almost 50 students training jiu-jitsu with me. And then I worked for one year, corporate America in a telecommunications company. I still was not sure because my plan was never to teach jiu-jitsu for a living. I studied international finance and marketing at the University of Miami. And jiu-jitsu was something that I always planned to do for the rest of my life, my biggest passion. But I never saw myself as becoming a jiu-jitsu teacher as a profession. And so I worked for one year. I never stopped teaching. I would continue to teach at night. I had my students. And then I went back to school and I got my master's degree, my MBA in international business, international marketing. And when I finished my MBA is when I had to really make that decision. What am I going to do with my life now? And I had several job offers to work in international banking institutions, making much more money than I would make as a jiu-jitsu teacher. But I already had developed even a greater passion for teaching jiu-jitsu and for my students. And I knew that if I took that route, the corporate America route, I would not be able to dedicate myself to my students as I, as I wished. And so I made a decision after seeking advice from very important people in my life, especially my two mentors, my father, who 
I owe everything to who guided me always from when I was born in such an amazing way, who introduced me to jiu-jitsu, and Grandmaster Edu, who was like a grandfather to me, also an amazing man. So for me to have these two mentors was a privilege, and I consulted with them, and I remember Grandmaster Edu telling me that maybe jiu-jitsu is not the profession that's going to make you the richest person in the world, but you're going to have all the great things that people have with money and even things that they cannot have. Jiu-jitsu is the best profession in the world. I, I, I don't hesitate for one second in recommending you to become a jiu-jitsu teacher. And I said, yes, that's what I'm going to do. I love it. And that's when I decided, to, when I finished my MBA, I decided to dedicate myself entirely to jiu-jitsu. Jimmy had been helping me. He had been going through the ranks, through the belts. He had been helping me already. Other amazing students who helped me so much. And in 1999, my brother, Guy, who had exactly the same journey as me, the same training, moved to Miami to attend a university as well, to study sports management. And so he started helping me in the school. Also took the instructor's course from Grandmaster Eddie and helped me tremendously in growing the school. In 2007, my youngest brother, Joaquin, also came. And today the three of us run our Valente Brothers headquarters here in North Miami Beach. Anytime you show up, you're going to probably find the three of us teaching because that's what we love doing the most, teaching Jiu-Jitsu and being on the mat. That's incredible. And now, how was the mindset back then when you made the decision that you're not going to go through with the corporate world to pursue your passion? And I always like to bring this up because one of the things, Pedro, here with the podcast, we have a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and they have Jiu-Jitsu in their lives. And they do have a lot of people who are in transition. They're in a position that they're not happy with the corporate world. And maybe it could be pursuing jujitsu. Maybe it could be pursuing a different passion. But a lot of the times, they don't go because of that, that, that fear, you know, all the anxiety that can come along. How did you deal with that fear? Or if you did have, how did you deal with it so we can maybe give some light to some people who are going through this transition right now. Absolutely. I have to tell you that it was not an easy decision. And there was some anxiety involved in making that decision. But the support of my mentors was very important. And that's something that I always tell people. Find people in life who you trust, who you look up to, and seek their advice. I believe in speaking, especially to older people. I really enjoy speaking to older people, who, people who have been through everything I'm going through already once, twice, sometimes three times. And listening to them and knowing that I still have a lot to learn. Hmm. I'm not even close to knowing everything I have to know. And I hope that when I'm 80 years old, I will still feel the same way, that I have a lot to learn. It's this this thirst for knowledge that keeps us alive, that keeps our minds thriving and seeking success. And I think that a great source of knowledge is people who are experienced and people who are older and people who have achieved success in their lives. And when I say success, I don't mean only material success. Mm -hmm. I mean people that have reached an older age with great physical health, with great mental health, people who have 
being able to help others. I really use that as a benchmark for success. How much have you been able to help other people in your life through your work? And so that's very important, mentorship. And also reading. I believe in reading. I believe in studying. I believe in learning constantly, researching. And education is extremely important. So seek education. Seek knowledge. And that will give you the confidence to make decisions in a way that you don't have to feel so fearful and so anxious about your decision. Now, what do you feel that is your worst entrepreneurial experience during this journey? And what did you learn from it? One of the most important lessons that I learned through the philosophy of jiu-jitsu is the value of positivity. So I work very hard. I use my creativity to transform negatives into positives. Whenever I, I, I feel any negativity inside of me, and, and that's very normal for anyone, I try to separate myself from that negativity. I try to look at that negativity as the enemy within. And I don't crush the enemy within. I transform the enemy within. I want the enemy within to become the friend within. And so any situation that was challenging in my life, the way I look at it, right now is not negative, it's positive. Every situation, I find the positive perspective. And it's in a crisis that we have the greatest opportunities for growth. And so I can mention some situations that were challenging. For example, I told you that I worked for one year in a telecommunications company and I felt that I was doing extremely well professionally in that company. I started a joint venture in Brazil and I felt that my contribution to that company was very good. And suddenly I got fired. And the CEO of that company had actually promised me that he was going to sponsor my visa for me to stay in America. And suddenly, I found myself without a job and without a way to stay in America. I was going to have to go back to Brazil. And the first thing that came to mind, because some people told me, go back to Brazil for six months and then you can find another way to come back. I didn't want to stay here illegally. But I thought about my students. And I was like, how am I going to leave for six months and, and 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 that was my motivation to find a way to stay and then i went to the university of miami and i had the idea of going back to school which is something i always wanted to do not so soon but to get my mba and they told me it might be too late for you to do it for this semester for august for the fall you're gonna have to wait until january but then I would have to go back to Brazil because the visa would only start in January. And they said, well, you have to take the GMAT for the MBA. It's a test that you take for the MBA. And then I went to find out about when, if, I, if there was a GMAT available and they said it's in two days. That's the last one, the last date for you to take a GMAT for you to be able to make it for the fall, to, to apply for the fall. 
I said, I said, okay. I called my dad and my dad said, look, don't sleep for 48 hours, study. Because <laughs> people usually study for the GMAT for six months. Mm -hmm. <laughs> take, you know? And I said, he said, don't sleep, eat only fruits. Don't eat anything heavy, only fruits and study for 48 hours and go take the test. And I said, all right, I'm going to do that. At the time I got a CD-ROM that would prepare you for the GMAT and I did it nonstop. I might've slept for two hours in that whole time. And then I went to take the test and I was lucky enough to, to pass the test. Nice. I was able to apply in time. I got accepted and I started the, the MBA in the fall and I was able to stay in America and continue to teach. And by the time I finished the MBA, I was already in a place where I could start an official school and, and apply for a working visa and, and everything continued from there. And, um, and that was very special. But I'm very, I look at all of that. At the time, it was super difficult. Mm -hmm. it, was super oh, it was a big struggle. But now, I'm very happy that all of that happened and it really helped me in my journey. And it's great that you mentioned about turning the negative into a positive and this is something that we talk a lot about here in the in podcasts and looking into the negative as an opportunity for growth and that's basically what you did that you losing that job was a blessing exactly. in, in your life I probably would not be teaching jiu-jitsu right now exactly you losing that job so what i can i can look at that moment where i was fired as one of the defining moments in my life and one of the best moments in my life now when i was fired i didn't see it that way and that's Absolutely. what i tell people sometimes when, when when things happen and you don't like it know that maybe 20 years from now 10 years from now you're going to look at this moment as one of the best moments in your life you just not, don't know it right now but it might become that yeah no i i love that and there's a book called the obstacle is the way by ryan holiday which is which is great because it's really what that is. And you, you mentioned earlier too, that was awesome about accepting the fact, you know? So the fact that, okay, I lost this job. This is a fact. There's nothing that you can do about this. And I always mention here, the fact cannot be changed. Only your response to the fact can be changed. And your response was to make that negative into a positive. So for the listeners who might be struggling with something that is happening that you're you're not very happy with the outcome right now. Just ask yourself, what is the opportunity here? What is the lesson? What can I, what's the best that I can make from this? And you might look back in a couple months, a few years or a long time and then see like, I'm so glad that that happened. And it's exactly the same way you see it. So it, it's a, it's a, it's everything you say. I'm very happy because it's really aligned with all the ideas that we bring here of like being rational, being, here's the fact you're not going to be able to change. You're not going to change someone's mind. How can you make it positive and looking at those challenges as major opportunities? Now you being in this position of having an, an amazing academy and all because of, it came from a negative, you know, so yes. it's incredible. And let me tell you, there's a, one person, one educator that I really like to read and to study is Jigoro Kano, mm -hmm. who is the father of judo and was a, a jiu-jitsu master. And because at the time, a lot of people misunderstand this, but jiu-jitsu and judo were pretty much the same thing in Japan. Jigoro Kano just gave a new name to what he was practicing in his school, but it was seen as a style of jiu-jitsu. 
And the name changed from in Japan, from Jiu-Jitsu to Judo. So Jigoro Kano, he organized the philosophy of Jiu-Jitsu as an educator to implement it in the school system in Japan. And one thing that he said that I really like, which is in tune with what the great explanation that you just gave, is that a person that just received very good news and a person who just received very bad news happened to be in exactly the same position at that moment. All they can do is choose the best path forward. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it was bad news or good news. In, two, in both situations, the best thing you can do is decide what is the best way to move forward. So when, when things happen that are difficult, when things happen that are challenging, we have to accept and we have to decide what's the best path forward. What's the be and that's what I think I did. I lost the job. What's the best path forward? What I found at the moment was to go back to the University of Miami and get my MBA. So don't worry about the job. That already passed. Worry about what can you do from, given the situation that you're in, what can you do? And, and going to the University of Miami, getting my master's degree was the best thing. And that allowed me to be in a position where today I can teach jiu-jitsu, which was what I love. Incredible. Now, I always ask for the guests to share some topic with the listeners. And I would like to know more about I'm giving a suggestion, but I'm, I would like to know more about your 753 code, the jiu-jitsu philosophy. If you could expand this to the listeners, it would be amazing. You know, Grandmaster Elio, he always called me the philosopher since I was a little kid. Pedro is a philosopher because <laughs> I always liked to understand the, the applications of jiu-jitsu off the mat. And I always liked to study the history. And when I started teaching, it was very important to me to transmit the philosophy of jiu-jitsu to our students. And I realized that jiu-jitsu had a very profound philosophy. A philosophy that transforms so many lives. Because what's the difference between jiu-jitsu and wrestling? Wrestling is older than jiu-jitsu. And the techniques are not very different. And I'm not talking about the sport of wrestling as it is practiced today. If you look at old wrestling, at ancient wrestling, pancreation, then catches, catches, can, you will see that many, many of the techniques are the same. Because human beings have two arms, two legs, and the brain. And you're going to find the most efficient ways to, do, to fight. And fighting is a human instinct. We've been fighting since the dawn of time. If you look at the jungle, every animal has a very specific fighting technique based on their anatomy. I don't know if you've ever seen a giraffe fight they use their long neck and they slap it's amazing if you look at the the, the cats from a lion to a to a kitten they they use the guard they use their claws and they never turn their backs so every animal has a specific way of fighting we as human beings were not born with the instinct of fighting but through our intelligence we can reach the same conclusions so wrestling has been with us forever, and the techniques of jiu-jitsu have been with human beings 
for a long, long time. But what the Japanese samurai did in an era in Japan where Chinese philosophy was very, very popular, they looked at the Tao Te Ching, which is a classic Chinese text by, written by Lao Tzu um, around 2,500 years ago. And from that book, from that text, the samurai learned the idea of soft overcoming hard, of, res of yielding instead of resisting, of a tree, a bamboo tree or a willow tree who has flexible branches, resisting a strong wind much better than a hard oak tree. Not because the bamboo is stronger, it's not, but because it's flexible. The samurai took this idea from the Tao Te Ching and they applied it to wrestling. And that's the birth of the art of Jiu-Jitsu, the art of the small overcoming the hard, not by being strong, not by using power, but by being flexible, by being smooth. And so this is the principle that guides us as Jiu-Jitsu fighters. So Jiu-Jitsu from this time has had a very specific and profound philosophy. Jiu-Jitsu is based in a philosophy. And in my classes with Grandmaster Elio, I learned a lot about philosophy, but there was no organized way to teach this philosophy. And it was very important for me to teach to my students the philosophy in an organized way. And that's how my brothers and I organized. I don't like to use the word created because these are concepts that already existed. Mm -hmm. We organized the 753 code. We brought these words from different areas and we believe that all of them represent the essence of the philosophy of Jiu-Jitsu. So what's the 753 code um, in a brief manner? It's about mind, body, and spirit. Actually, the seven represents the spirit, and we believe in spirituality through moral virtue. Being a good person, so rectitude, courage, benevolence, respect, honesty, honor, and loyalty. If you study each one of these words and you try to implement them, them in your life, you will be a good person. Not just the way you behave in your relationship with yourself, your self-esteem, but also your relationship with others. The five has to do with the body. Understanding that the body is the vehicle of life. It makes no sense to take care of our minds and not take care of our bodies. And so nutrition, exercise, rest, hygiene, and positivity. These are the elements that will keep your mind, your body healthy. And some people say, wait a minute, isn't positivity mental? Well, but if you want your body to be healthy, you cannot be stressed. Stress is one of the greatest um, enemies that we have when it comes to our physical health. It creates diseases of all sorts, from a common cold, because it affects our immune system, to cancer and heart disease. And so these five elements will protect your physical health will keep your body healthy and strong. And the three has to do with the mind. Awareness, balance, and flow. 
And here with our students, we constantly discuss each one of these words in a very profound way. And in our view, in our analysis, if you understand each one of these 15 words and you study them and you implement them in your life, you will be living the philosophy of Jiu-Jitsu. I really like that, man. That was awesome. Now, what did you say it's a one high-performance habit that you have? Something that you, you feel that you practice every day that has helped you in your personal life, professional, in jiu-jitsu? What did you say? The habit of working. Mm -hmm. When people ask me, what's the secret of your success? Three W's. First one is work. The second W is work. <laughs> and the third one is work. Work, work, work. Nothing, my father used to tell me, nothing defeats hard work. Nada vence o trabalho. Nothing defeats work. And work with a passion for something you believe in. I really believe in creating habits. If you study Pavlov, you will understand that you can condition yourself to be anything you want as long as you repeat that skill or that habit or anything you want to become. If you want to become a great guitar player, dedicate yourself to that and you will become a great guitar player. How do we teach Jiu-Jitsu? If I'm going to teach a student how to block a punch, first I'm going to show him the, the mechanics of the defensive um, skill. And then I'm going to have the student repeat that skill over and over and over until the student ha doesn't have to think anymore. Until it becomes a reflex, an automatic reaction. When you train Jiu-Jitsu on the ground, you don't even think. You strategize, but your body moves without conscious thought. And so I believe in the formation of habits. And not only the habit of working, but the habit of working not for money, but working for something you believe in. And, and what helped me in this sense? Because when I started teaching jiu-jitsu, I wasn't teaching for money. It was something I was doing part-time as a student at the University of Miami. I wasn't even making money. I was teaching because I loved it. So I built the habit of teaching for the sake of teaching. So today, every time I walk into a class, today I already taught five private lessons. Every one of this, those classes, I was not thinking I'm here because of the money, looking at the clock. No, I'm teaching because I love teaching. Money is a consequence, an important consequence, no doubt. But that's not the reason why I teach. So I developed the habit of working, of teaching, of working on the mat, and the habit of working, not for money, but working to help the student. That's the reason why I teach, to help the student. That's why I work. And when you help others, you help yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, like you mentioned before about People have different perceptions about the meaning of the word success, you know, and 
I love that you're saying that because I, we mentioned here too of having the balance of the intrinsic motivation and the extrinsic motivation of what, of course, like you said, yeah, the reward, you know, and we all want financial independence and so forth. But if you only focus on the extrinsic, at one point you're gonna be, I'm done, can't do this anymore, that I don't get any fulfillment. And that's when a lot of people now that maybe are in a corporate world, they you know, they're like, Man, I got paid, I'm doing this, I got this big ride. And there's no intrinsic motivation. But at the same time, if you do just the intrinsic, now you're not gonna pay bills, you know. So you need to find that balance, you know, of like, okay, doing what I love. But getting paid as well. Let me tell you, through my experience as a jiu-jitsu teacher, I have met multi-millionaires, even billionaires. And some of them are extremely unhappy and depressed. I believe. You said that people define success differently. What I like to tell my students is that success is not measured in the pocket. Success is measured in the spirit. You can have a lot of money and be very happy. You can have no money mm -hmm. and be very happy. You can have a lot of money and be very depressed. You can have no money and be depressed. Money is important. Success, material success is important. But it will not bring happiness unless you have spiritual success. And that's the one that we should strive for the most. And I believe that if you ask me, what's one thing that I can do to, to achieve spiritual success? Very simple. Help others. Help others. Be of service to your fellow human being. And that way you will feel spiritually successful. Awesome. Now, what is the best advice that you've ever received? And you can choose jujitsu, personal, professional, anything that comes in your mind. For me, it's very difficult to separate jujitsu from <laughs> anything <know>. else. <laughs> you know, the best advice I received was in the beginning as a jujitsu teacher. I, and I think a lot of people go through this. I worry too much about the critics. Mm -hmm. People that were now we call them haters, right? Mm -hmm. Criticizing, bad-mouthing. And I love constructive criticism. I work very hard not to be defensive when people give me constructive criticism, not to take it personally. But usually the people who criticize are people who don't even know you. People who have never even been in your school. They're judging you without elements to judge you. And usually the reason why they hate you, the reason why they criticize you is jealousy, is envy. It's based on their personal struggles. And all of us have our personal struggles. All of us have some level of envy, some level of, of jealousy. I know I do. I'm not a perfect human being. Far from that. But we all try to control these things. We all try to transform these negativities that we have inside of us. And I learned to be tolerant with other people's struggles, with other people's journeys, and not take these things personally. 
when somebody criticizes our school and somebody criticizes, the first question I ask is, has that person ever been here? Has that person been here recently to know what we're doing now? So they're not in a place really to criticize. And why are they focusing on us instead of focusing on themselves? I wish I, I, wish I could tap that person in the shoulder and say, my friend, let me tell you, stop worrying about us. <laughs> worry about the success of your school. You're going to be much happier if you worry about your school. And so I learned not to pay attention to negative people and to focus on positive people, to focus on my students who are here with all their heart. That's something I learned from my father. He said, you don't know how difficult it might be for your student to get to your school. He might have a family that instead of being with his family, he's coming to take your class. He might have gone through traffic. He might be tired. He had a tough day at work, but he made the effort to be there so it's your responsibility to give that person your full attention, your full commitment. And instead of paying attention to those who are being negative and who are not even there with you, who might be writing something on the internet, focus on the people who are in your school, who believe in you, who are happy to be there, and give them the best that you can. Teach them the best self-defense. Teach them the philosophy. Prepare them with all your heart. And if you do that, you're going to be happy. On episode 24th, it was called Developing Your Growth Mindset. was with Jensen Azarius. He is the, the founder of a nonprofit organization in Tucson, Arizona. They do an amazing job. They implement jiu-jitsu in personal development in the school system in Arizona, which is incredible. And we talk about this. And you mentioned how you don't take personal, which is right there you can see that is the growth mindset, which is different than the fixed mindset that, and we talk about this in this episode of the, the fixed mindset as the person that is, is taking personal, uh, uh, taking things personal, they're blaming, they're, you know, they're hating, they knew all that, all that stuff. And like you said, you know, and there's so much that you can control. You can control what people are going to say. And I saw I was listening to a Tim Ferriss interview one day, and he said one advice that he received, it was really cool, and said, you know, we start getting more exposure. We're going to have, yeah, people going to go in. They're going to leave comments or whatever. They, oh, and he said, uh, he said something very interesting. It's just keep this in mind. You're not as good as they say you are. You're not as bad as they say you are. You know, it's just, it's just what it is, you know, so we're not trying to take person. It's just like, Hey, that's it. I'm, I'm a normal human being, a growth mindset. I'm growing may not be uh, perfect, but you're moving along and whoever it's not really in the same page. Hopefully one day they can shift exactly. the fixed mindset to exactly. the growth mindset, but it's not necessarily your job unless they ask Correct. you for help. You know, Correct. they come in and like, Correct. I'm here to change. Cause we can't, we can't change anybody when, when students come to me and tell me professor thank you so much you changed my life the first thing i say is i did not change your life you changed your life because if i had changed your life then every single person that walked through the doors of my school would have had the same transformation and that's not true that doesn't happen to everybody you change your life maybe i was a an inspiration but you changed your life and you came here and you seeked that transformation and, and i'm very happy that you were able to do it but it was not me so with thinking about what advice would you give to the younger 
Pedro, when you start teaching, which this was one of the struggles you had, and someone gave you advice to start, you know, like, hey, don't worry so much about what they're saying. But if you have to go back and have a conversation with a young Pedro when he start teaching, what would you tell them right now? I would tell him to create a mission statement and stick with it. And focus all your energy on that. That's the advice that I would give young Pedro. Even though I am very grateful for all the different experiences that we had to get to the point where we're at right now. Absolutely. Experimenting with, because jujitsu gives us so many wonderful opportunities and so many paths that we can follow and different directions that we can take our school and different goals that we have for our students. And so I kind of navigated many of those different paths before I chose the direction that I have today. And I feel that as an 18-year-old moving to Miami, I already knew the direction. So if I had focused on that direction and on the mission, that would have been better. Even though I think the experiences that I got from navigating in the different, in the different paths that experience was, was very valuable. But I believe that it's very important to have a mission statement. And then when you work, you're not working in disorder. You have order in what you're doing. And you're doing it with a focus and you're doing it for a cause and you have a mission. So I, I really believe that it doesn't matter, not just a jiu-jitsu teacher, but in any business that you choose, you should always have a very, very well-structured mission statement with it and, and your efforts through work should be in the direction of your mission statement yeah and i love that you mentioned too that of course you know where you add maybe things would be even better but the thing is you are where you are in your life right now because of all the you know exactly. the choices and Absolutely. experience if it was a little bit different that would take a completely different journey and for all the listeners if you may be thinking about the question of what would you tell your younger version? Don't think about like, oh man, I wish I had done this. Oh my God. Oh, you know, like, no, no, no. That was part of the journey, you know? No. And, and here's the thing, taking the responsibility, no matter where, where you at in your life or now, the good or not so good, is based on the, the choices that we have made along the way. It's based on the perspective. I like to, I like to tell a little story. One time, I was in this garden, so, and I saw this beautiful flower. And I was like, wow, I want to register this moment. I want to take a picture of this flower. I don't know if you're from, where, what part of Brazil are you from, Gustavo? Rio. You know, Jardim Botânico. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in Jardim Botânico, the botanical garden of Rio de Janeiro. And my parents always wanted me to be close to nature. So my mom would take me there every day in the morning to be close to nature. And, and, and then many years later, as an adult, I went back. And that's where I saw this beautiful flower. And I said, I want to take a picture of this flower. I want to show it to my, to my wife. And I took the picture. And I looked at the picture. And it looked ugly. One of the most stunning flowers that I had ever seen 
but when I looked at the picture, it looked ugly. But then I realized the sun was across from me. So what did I do? Did I mess with the flower? No, I just changed my perspective. I changed the angle. Mm-hmm. And I took a picture of the same exact flower from a different angle. And now the flower looked beautiful. So in life, sometimes we might look at things from a perspective that makes us believe that that thing is negative. But if we manage to change the angle, to change the perspective and look at that same exact thing from a different angle, then we might see that as a positive. And that transformation is extremely important. Absolutely. Now, what, what book would you like to recommend and why I always, when I mention this, when I ask this to them, to the guests, it's maybe a book, because uh, sometimes it depends what moment of, you know, in your life that you actually read the book. You know, and sometimes I even can maybe even read a book five years ago, maybe doesn't connect with you as much. And five years later, you read it, it's like, oh, wow, now it makes sense to me. So what would it be a book that really made an impact? You know, when I was 20 four years old I had a neck injury and it wasn't even doing jujitsu and then I got an MRI and there were three herniated discs on my neck and my father took me to a doctor in Brazil very good doctor spinal surgeon and he told me that was around the time I was starting the MBA and he said Pedro you're young, you have a degree, choose a different profession. Don't do jujitsu because of your neck. You might end up having to have surgery and it's going to be a difficult surgery because it's low and, and you have to, I'm going to have to open the chest at the time. And, and, and that was very difficult. That was part of the struggle at the time of deciding to become a jujitsu teacher. And then one of my students gave me a book and I'm so grateful for that book. It took me a while to read the book because when he gave me the book, I kind of looked at it and it talked about back pain and it talked about back pain being mental. I'm like, my problem is not mental. I saw the MRI <laughs> and then I put the, I put the book aside. Then one day I was going on a trip in an airplane and I got that book for some reason. I got that book and I was in the airplane and I read the book. And a few weeks later, my neck was 95% better. And if, if it wasn't for that book, most likely I would not have pursued my dream of teaching Jesus. That book was called Healing Back Pain by John Sonny. And then you might be thinking, well, Pedro, but I wasn't really asking about a book about healing back pain. Why am I mentioning this book? Because this book doesn't only apply to back pain. It teaches you the power of your mind. That book was one of the most important books that I ever read in my life. For everything. Because it talks about TMS, tension myositis syndrome. And it talks about the fact that even if we have herniated discs, that most of back pain comes from emotional issues that manifest in the back through tension. And then that's where we feel the pain. And then people say it's a pinched nerve. People say, oh, I was bending down to get something and then my back started hurting and now it's every morning it hurts. 
and I cannot explain to you as well as Dr. Sino does in the book, but when I read that book, it showed me something that I always learned in jujitsu, but that book really put it in a way that was different, that I could heal my back just with my mind. And if I could heal that, I could do anything. It just teaches you about the power of your mind. And a lot of people struggle with back pain and I have recommended that book to so many people. And some people benefit from it and others don't. The ones who benefit from it are the ones who believe. The ones who resist don't get the same benefit. And that's the book that I would recommend. It's an amazing book. It helps me so much. And also, one pleasant surprise, I hadn't had a chance to, to listen to your podcast. And I think there are not enough people out there, unfortunately. I think it's growing, and I see that in a very positive light. People talking about the mindset of jujitsu. And your podcast, The BJJ Mindset, and I know how much time you put into it, in researching, in studying all these concepts. You notice that through our, throughout our conversation, every time I would come up with a, a concept, you would reference Podcast 17, Podcast 24. So I think that especially people who take jiu-jitsu, but even people who don't, they can benefit so much from listening to each and every one of your podcast. I see how humble you are. I see how you have the growth mindset that you advocate for your, um, for your uh, listeners, how you try to do everything to the best of your ability. And I think that everyone who has a chance, not just, to, you know, because I know there might be a lot of people listening because they're my friends, because they like me, but I recommend that you listen to all the podcasts because you're going to learn so much from them. And I I have become a big fan of your podcast. Thank you so much for the kind words. I feel that this is because of what you said about the mission statement. I essentially professionally, I do six different things, right? As an entrepreneur, you're always doing things around, but all those th six things are aligned with my vision and my mission. If they're not, I just don't mess with it period, which is inspired, impact, and improve the lives of others. If it if it's not there, I won't mess with it. And and yeah, and I take this with depending some of the topics I study more. But uh this has been has been six months now we're in 2018 for people that maybe might be listening because I, I keep this in consideration that I'm listening right now. But I understand that maybe one day my grand grandson might be listening to this. You know what I mean? This is going to be out there forever. So I make sure that, you know, I'm putting my information out. I do think about this. Like one day someone's going to be listening. It might be the same way that I listen to incredible motivational speakers that they passed years ago and they, they still have their knowledge out there. And, I, you know, like Jim Rome is, a, is someone that I really admire and I learned a lot from him in past years ago, but he still leave his legacy. So I do think about that, that, and I know that you do too, that even though, even when you're gone, gone and not in this world anymore, your legacy or everything that you've been doing, you know, still going to be around. And that's why I focus super hard even on my school or my events. So everything I do in a way that even when I'm not here, not here in this world, 
this is still going to be doing. My school is still going to be inspiring, impacting, improving my tournaments the same, my nonprofit. So um, very aligned with what you're saying. To me, what you just said describes one of the most important words in the 753 code, which is honor. Mm-hmm. I think honor has to do with just that, which you're working hard to protect your legacy, to protect the good name that you carry, the good name of your family, and to, to leave something behind that, as you said, your grandkids might listen, and that's a legacy of honor. And one thing that I really like to see behind you, all these books, I think that's very important. In, on our main mat here at our school, we have the picture of our two mentors, as I described before, my father and Grandmaster Eddie Grace. Um, obviously, we, in our school, we honor our lineage, which not only includes, includes Grandmaster Eddie, but also Grandmaster Carlos Grace, who should always be honored for his amazing contributions. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here today. And, and before him, Mitsuyo Maeda, uh, Yokoyama, who was his teacher, Jigoro Kano, and so many others who came before. We, we also need to honor our Japanese roots. But on, our, on the wall of our main mat, we have our two mentors, and underneath, we have uh, a samurai inscription, which was very important back then, and still important in Japanese cultural life which is Bunburyodo, which means that the way is in both the martial arts and the academic arts, the intellectual arts. The balance between intellectuality through education, through academic education, that doesn't have to be, there's not only one path, as you know, some people go to universities, other people achieve knowledge and education in other ways, but it's important to always seek knowledge and to seek a strong education and also learning how to defend yourself, which is very important. That gives you physical confidence. You know, at the, at, on the streets, even people who don't know jujitsu, you might find people who are very confident physically, but lacked, but lack intellectual knowledge. And then in the universities, you might find people who, are very, very confident intellectually, but might, be, but might be very fearful of physical contact and getting close to people and talking to people. We believe that the strength, and the Japanese describe it as the way, the way is in the balance in both the academic arts, working on your intellect, your mind, seeking knowledge, and the martial arts by learning how to defend yourself. For the listeners starting to get close to the end of the interview, so just make sure that you stick around for my final thoughts. Now, uh, what are you currently excited about? What's going on with your academy? Any, any cool projects that you'd like to share? I'm very, very excited about the research that my brothers and I have been doing about the history and the philosophy of Jiu-Jitsu. That's something that now with the internet and with the globalization of information, we have unlimited access to, 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 to knowledge, to information that even 10 years ago was unimaginable. We're able to, to, to read newspapers from the 1900s, from the beginning of the first decade of the 20th century, even before that 
were able to read texts that were written in the 19th century about jiu-jitsu, about the philosophy, about the martial arts. And that's helping us so much in understanding our purpose through jiu-jitsu, through the art of jiu-jitsu and transmitting that to our student. The more I study and the more I research and the, the more I learn, the more I see that my teacher, Elio Grace, really was able to absorb the true essence of jiu-jitsu, which to me is amazing. I consider him to be a genius because he didn't have the access that I have. He didn't have access to the information that I have. With the limited access that he had, he was able to really embrace jiu-jitsu in its most profound way. And I'm even more grateful to have learned from him and being able to tap into all this knowledge, this ancient knowledge with respect to jiu-jitsu has been so exciting. And my brothers and I are working very hard to preserve this ancient knowledge in our school and to make our school we built our headquarter facility. It, fin it was a two-year project. It finished more than two years. It finished in March of last year, 2017. It's a freestanding building dedicated exclusively to teaching jiu-jitsu. And here we have a library with a, colle a vast collection of, of old and new books on jiu-jitsu, on the philosophy and the techniques of jiu-jitsu. You can find books here that were written more than 100 years ago, technical books, philosophical books. We have a museum where we tell the history of jiu-jitsu and we want this to be a center for jiu-jitsu students and teachers from around the world to come here and learn about the roots of jiu-jitsu, about the philosophy of jiu-jitsu, about the history of jiu-jitsu and to be able to participate in our world. We have a, an open door policy. We welcome everyone. It doesn't matter what school you belong to. We welcome everyone. And we want our, our building to be a place where people can come and seek knowledge. Like Judo has the Kodokan, we want to be one of the places that can um, inspire people from around the world and, and, and people who are interested in the art and practice of jiu-jitsu. Man, this has been an amazing interview. Enjoying a lot. You probably could go even more and more. <laughs> what, so message that you'd like to leave to the listeners. Also, give your website, how they can get in contact with you. So what do you say? Uh, let me start with that www.valentebrothers.com. You also have uh, Instagram, Valente Brothers. Also, we have the 753 code, so you can follow the 753 code page. You can follow the oh, Valente nice. Brothers page also on Facebook. So if you search Valente Brothers or 753 code on all the different platforms, you will be able to find it. Um, we have an active participation on social media, always trying to stay connected with our students and my message is for the practice of jiu-jitsu encouraging people to seek jiu-jitsu and to understand that jiu-jitsu can be many different things um, as long as it's centered on its philosophy jiu-jitsu is about self-defense 
a small person being able to defend a bigger attacker, surviving a bigger attacker without having to rely on strength. Mm -hmm. This is the promise of jiu-jitsu and we have to deliver with practical and efficient techniques. And also understanding that jiu-jitsu is the gentle art because it gives us the ability in many situations, not all, but many situations, to overcome violence without having to injure the attacker. We can control somebody without having to hurt them, especially with the superior, the physical superiority that jiu-jitsu gives us. So jiu-jitsu is not violent. Jiu-jitsu is about neutralizing violence. We don't believe mm -hmm. in fighting to hurt somebody. We don't believe in fighting for revenge. We don't believe in fighting to teach somebody a lesson. The only time where, in our view, it's okay to use the physical techniques of jiu-jitsu is if somebody attacks you and you have no other way out then you defend yourself. And if you have a chance to defend yourself without hurting your opponent, that's what you must, that's what you have a responsibility to do. So embrace jiu-jitsu through its techniques and I guarantee that you're going to be able to learn its philosophy. Because when jiu-jitsu is practiced the proper way, with this gentle spirit, you will learn an amazing philosophy that will help you with everything that you do. You become more emotionally balanced. Your nutrition, you improve. You will become healthier in your body. You will become more alert. Your mind will be sharper and you will become a better person. And that's the ultimate objective. We all must cultivate what you very properly refer to as the growth mindset. We're not perfect, but we're moving in the direction of perfection every day. And that's what I try to do and hopefully inspire my students to do the same. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm honored and humbled that you decided to invite me and I hope that I was able to contribute something of value um, to your listeners. I'm sure you did. It was an amazing interview. Thank you so much, Pedro. It was awesome. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's... Thank you, Us. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Pedro Valenti. If you're listening just to the final thoughts, Pedro, along with his brothers Gui and Joaquin, run a very successful association, the Valenti Brothers Jiu-Jitsu. As you already know, I like to research after each interview to learn as much as possible to deliver a message that hopefully can inspire, impact, and or improve your life in some way. And I have to say that this episode was one of my toughest ones so far because he gave such a great interview and I don't want just to repeat what he said. Now, with that said, I started researching about Bushido. I listened to the audiobook Bushido, The Soul of Japan by Inazo Nitobi that he mentioned in the podcast to learn more about the samurai code. Wikipedia describes Bushido as the Japanese collective term for the many codes of honor and ideals that dictated the samurai way of life. This book was written in 1899, which was one of the first major works on samurai ethics and Japanese culture written originally in English for Western readers, which is the foundation of the Valenti Brothers 753 Code. The 753 code is a lifestyle and approach that helps us live a more balanced life 
physically, emotionally, and mentally. So if you'd like to know more about it, go to www.753code.com. He did such an amazing job explaining that. I don't have much to add. Plus, you can research more content on Pedro. It was hard to choose one takeaway to share with you because there are so many good things to choose from. But I love when he said, go seek knowledge. Not necessarily about the samurai code, though. Anything related to personal growth. In order to do that, you need to read or read even more, which was one of his advice. Read or audiobook, whatever you prefer. Personally, I was inspired to research even more. As the way of the warrior, go seek knowledge. Go seek things that resonate with you and make a decision. Would you like to be a librarian of the mind or a warrior of the mind? What am I trying to say with this? There's a book called The Philosophy of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, subtitled Stoic Philosophy as Rational and Cognitive Psychotherapy by Donald Robertson. In CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, they are not just interested in the past. They want to know what you're doing with your thoughts and behaviors right now. Philosopher means lover of wisdom. Pretty much what the psychotherapist does right now, the ancient philosophers were doing over 2,000 years ago. Stoicism used to be the most dominant kind of approach to the art of living until Christianism. The philosophers were known as the physicians of the soul. Tim Ferriss, the author of 4-Hour Workweek, describes Stoicism as, quote, a fantastic operating system for thriving in high-stress environments. It's a framework for making better decisions and training yourself to be less reactive, unquote, which is a virtue of the samurai and the way of the warrior, self-control. In the book, Donald makes the comparison between the Asian philosophers and modern philosophers and describes them as the librarian of the mind and the warrior of the mind. The librarian of the mind seeks knowledge and focus on figuring out all the details, all the logics, and cataloging them, however, not actually practicing. The warrior of the mind, the lover of wisdom, was a practical philosopher, interested in applying all ideas in the arena of life, not just cataloging them. They executed on the new ideas and concepts that they knew that was the best for them. Now, how can you apply this warrior mentality of learning, being practical, and applying in the arena of your life? Let me ask you this. What is a practice that you know theoretically to be true, but you haven't executed on yet? Keep one thing in mind. Common sense is not always common practice. For example, if you read all the books about proper nutrition, you talk about it, but you eat junk food and donuts all the time, you're being a librarian of the mind. If you're going to seek knowledge, why not to live in congruence with the knowledge that you believe and know that is true? Is it easy? No, it's not. It takes practice. Self-control needs to be practiced daily so you can choose the warrior route more often than the librarian route. Let's be honest. Of course, there are plenty of moments in my life that I catch myself being a librarian of the mind in some area of my life. Knowing that I should be doing something else, however, for whatever reason, I'm not. All I can say is, I'm not perfect. And the good news is that you are not perfect either. For example, I have a morning ritual that includes to go over 20 questions for me to reflect and statements that I believe to be true in the morning. One of the questions is, 
Are you being comfortable in uncomfortable situations? Still part of this question, I ask, are you facing your fears daily? Then I reflect. Personally, I do my best to live in congruence with what I believe. However, let's say one day for whatever reason, I let my anxiety to take over. I wasn't present and caused me not to feel comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Now, how would you handle when you realize that you're being a librarian of the mind? Would you be mad, frustrated, super hard on yourself? Here's the thing. If you catch yourself not living in congruence with something that you believe, the first thing is to congratulate yourself for being self-aware and catching the negative pattern on the spot. Then forgive yourself. Practice self-compassion that you lost your focus. You're a human being. And you're going right back in doing your best to be the warrior of the mind and to live in congruence with what you believe. To wrap up, keep the way of the warrior in mind. Seek knowledge. Develop self-control. So when you come to the point that you need to make a decision, you can choose being the warrior of the mind, doing what you believe that is the right thing to do, and opposite of the librarian of the mind. Os. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. 